Hey guys, uh, today's video is super special because it's in collaboration with Rapido Labs, which is a unit uh, in the mobility company Rapido, which runs, you know, India's biggest bike taxi service. Uh, and uh, they wanted to have the start having the conversation around mobility in the larger ecosystem as well. And of course, you know, that's one of my aims as well. So we came together and we've done this amazing, amazing podcast. It's a series, it's not just one podcast. Uh, we're going to have either two or three more uh, in these series. Uh, but this is the first one. And this is with the data science head of the company. It's Mr. Pramod N. And we have some of the most amazing, amazing conversations, uh, you know, and stories that have been told with data. I mean, this is the kind of conversation you probably won't hear from any data scientist or, you know, data person out there. Because, you know, it's just the kind of... Our, our core primary focus throughout this podcast is, you know, the amazing stories and ways in which every city in India is driven differently, quite literally, you know, because, I mean, India is such a diverse nation. So tune into this podcast, uh, listen to the amazing conversation I had with the data science head of Rapido. I hope you enjoy it. You're listening to the Driven Differently audio experience, a podcast hosted by Chirag Joshi, an Indian entrepreneur who hosts guests both from his industry of electric vehicles and sustainable mobility and people completely unrelated like artists and creators with the intention of getting as many people involved in the mission to upgrade humanity to sustainable ways of transportation, aka being driven differently. Pramod, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Uh, and I know, I know how swarmed with work you might be and you took out this time on a Sunday. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, I think I'd like to start off with, you know, something pretty basic. If you could, you know, just give a, I'd say 60 second in, uh, intro about yourself, who you are, what you do, and then we'll take it off from there. Uh, it might not require 60 seconds. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to share something. Uh, that we've been looking at and, and learning on the fly every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to begin with, I am Pramod. I come from a, a machine learning and distributed systems background. Uh, I've been doing in this space for the past uh, 10 years through academia as well as in industry. Uh, I used to uh, work at a consulting firm called ThoughtWorks before, uh, where I used to uh, lead their data practice for ThoughtWorks India. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm at Rapido and I had uh, data science and engineering for uh, Rapido. Great. That's briefly me. Sounds good. I mean, if I have to just elaborate on ThoughtWorks, as far as I've heard about ThoughtWorks, I think it's like this holy grail of developers, you know, I mean, like, it's just the place to be. And, you know, if, if you say you're from ThoughtWorks, yeah, right off the bat, you're the guy people want. Is that true? Well, <laughs> reputation true. I think uh, we try to be. Uh, <laughs> So it's definitely a place for uh, good developers and you know people who, who aspire to get good software engineering sort of skills and yeah. who want to solve challenging problems. Definitely a place to be. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I've heard a bunch. I mean, I've just started my professional career and I've already heard about it. So pretty sure it's pretty good. You know. So cool. With that, uh, I just wanted to sort of you know track it back before we get into the whole rapido things uh, and you know the conversation around that. As this, as this channel is known for, I'd like to learn a little more about your love for data and tech and how did that start off? Oh, uh, I would say I'm one of those late bloomers. Uh, well, I never really had access to computers up until probably 
uh, 2006-7. Wow. Uh, okay. And I think 2006 uh, started, you know, uh, 11th and that's when I got into programming and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it was a in, instant love of some sort where mm-hmm. programming was fascinating. Uh, everything around programming was fascinating and then it just uh, hit off from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think data really started probably in 2010 uh, when I think my professor, uh, he just called a bunch of us and said, look, this is something that we are trying to solve. Can you guys uh, sit and solve this? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that was probably the first uh, machine learning problems uh, that we ever picked up or solved. Mm-hmm. Uh, while back then we didn't really have, uh, I mean, it was fun and learning and so on. Uh, wh- while we didn't anticipate what it could do, uh, at least some of on some of us, uh, machine learning as a thing grew, uh, and some of us are still pursuing uh, some some form of career. Mm-hmm. Uh, in data and machine learning mm-hmm. so that i think it is more uh, opportunity meets uh, the right attitude per se uh, mm-hmm. rather than you know i oh i wanted to do something in <laughs> okay quite ignorant and didn't really know <laughs> oh that's good i mean that's honest that that's pretty good and but i'm glad you know that happened and you know you could really sort of find uh, i mean it was an instant love and i think it was really true love because it's been more than a decade i guess doing this so you're really at it that's great. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, uh, your your professional career is now, uh, it's it's fair to say it's eight years, right? Yep. Yeah, eight years. And, and the field is, of course, you know, around data and tech and, you know, machine learning, if I'm not wrong, right? Yeah. So, wh- wh- what's been the biggest learning uh, in this whole sort of, you know, your professional career till date? You know, one, one learning that, I mean, you, you can call it uh, from a people standpoint or from a sort of, you know, data and tech standpoint. What's been that one thing that's, just priceless for you. Uh, this might be a controversial one, but uh, I think everyone says they want to be data driven. Nobody likes when data says something. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, this is true across the board. I think I've worked with a lot of clients uh, who love to be data data driven, and they've hired us, you know, solve a data problem, etc. But at the end of the day, when data says something uh, it, and it does not agree with their uh, thought process or preconceived uh, misconceptions, then people tend to sort of don't, not care about uh, such principles. So I think the biggest learning for me is uh, being data-driven partly is about uh, data. It's more about having the right attitude and being driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, while you can be driven, uh, you know, without data per se, I think data just gives you that right direction and you know, right place to be and so on. Uh, that is how I would probably think about uh, mm-hmm. Like one of the biggest learnings that I constantly take every, everywhere and probably lead with is mm-hmm. uh, you need to have that. I mean, it's not okay to just say you want to be data when you actually have to have that metrics thinking and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Okay. So, so that means, you know, I mean, it's like uh, staring yourself at in the mirror, you know, like you might yeah. not like it, but it's the reality. Yeah, it is what it is. right? So. <laughs> okay. That, that, that's a good one. That's, that's a good one. But, but, but I've also heard this other sort of, not argument, but, you know, a point of view about data is that, you know, data is what you make out of it or, you know, like what you want to see, you see through data. Is, is that at all true or what do, what's your take on it? So I think one of the British politicians a while ago said uh, lies, damn lies and statistics. And I think there, is, there have been number of uh, satirical uh, movies, TV shows just built on, on this, right? 
so i think there is some element of truth uh, so interpretability of uh, both results outcomes uh, and the raw data itself is a big part of uh, what you get out of data yeah uh, and i think it's partially true that uh, uh, you can technically see what you want mm-hmm. right so i mean yeah. while it might not be correct while it might not be the whole truth mm-hmm. it's definitely part of some truth <laughs> right yeah. and i think i think uh, the trick in becoming or, or getting somewhere with uh, data is also that like how do you get to the whole truth if not the whole at least the majority of the truth mm-hmm. right and that's critical for if anyone is aspiring to become an analyst or a, a data scientist or whatever else like mm-hmm. one of the things that you need to have is that uh, eye on is this just you know mm-hmm. an anomaly simple correlation or is it actually the cause or is this yeah. uh, the entirety of the truth if i would call it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah i think it is partially true like you you can do it uh, that's what differentiates good and bad okay. yeah yeah i might sound a bit philosophical you know there isn't good and bad whatever but it's just the good doing and the bad doing not really the ultimate good and bad <laughs> got it no no that makes sense i mean uh, that, that that's what that's what i like to do you know i mean like i'm just so i mean there there's this divide between you know if you're a tech person you're you're just you know all about sort of you know numbers and all of this and you're not much of a human or you know at least that's how people perceive it and if you're a sort of you know more artsy person you don't understand data and tech so i mean i think there's a synergy in both and i think one helps the other grow i mean at the end of the day all the technology does or takes advantage of and makes our life convenient is by really taking advantage of how we are as humans right i mean like if not for all of the i mean what does data actually give it it tells at macro how do human beings react to a particular thing right i mean like that that's how you perceive things that's how you know i mean it gives it in numbers because you know that's how you can make it quantifiable and then you can take actions on it but i i always think there's a good synergy between at least that's how i come at technology and data that makes it sane for me at least uh but that's how we are so i want to understand you know you spent a very good time at thoughtworks and i i think if i i ask, uh, sort of you know skim through your linkedin i saw you know you've been there for good 7 8 years so and and of course you know as we've already discussed with the reputation of thoughtworks you know such a such an amazing place to be what prompted the shift from some some place like thoughtworks into a mobility startup like rapido how did that happen and why did that happen uh, again this is an, yet another one of those accidents i suppose so i think for me uh, some of the like, there were many triggers i think a lot of people go through this journey in a different way and then this is probably just my journey maybe it's very naive i don't know Uh, so for me i think the triggers were back in 2016 where uh, okay i've been building all these models whatever i've been building the software whatever what do i do with this uh, so then i think it it was about getting people like i had a vision and a uh, point of view on how people should do this and how mm-hmm. people should uh, get value out of data etc mm-hmm. so i think uh, that journey started in 2016 where i st- actively started going out uh, both Uh, when i was in the uk as well as in uh, india to sort of uh, uh, take people on that journey like look this is what it should be because it has these x y and z benefits uh, and uh, this is what it could be these are the possibilities but in order to get there you need to choose this path you know mm-hmm. that was sort of the narrative with which we led mm-hmm. a lot of our uh, conversations and offerings now i think that that at that point uh, one thing that came out was Uh, it was almost like a hit and a miss uh, it used to work some places in some client situations and so on and in some places it was a miserable failure like people 
can't be bothered listening to something intellectual and you know very heavy to understand and grapple with whatever mm-hmm. uh, so i think uh, back in 2000 last year 2019 i think i was at a state where okay uh, i think i've had this 50 50 uh, hit and miss going on uh, should i continue and get, gather more of these examples or should i do something else uh, and something else meant instead of telling people what to do i would rather just show it how to do and when Mm-hmm. Uh so I think that thought was lingering uh in multiple sort of places and I think uh, casually I'd heard a few friends uh, back in London as well as uh in India uh, talk reaching out and saying look you know these are the interesting things that are going on etc. Mhm. Uh one of such interesting conversations was with uh, our head of engineering Kata who's a very good friend of mine. Mhm. and uh, so he was kicked about sorry he had just joined uh, rapido and he was kicked about the prospect of uh, what was happening at rapido and the growth and so on and so forth mm-hmm. and the selling point for for me was the metrics driven culture that was already there uh, because i think one of my biggest struggle was just to get people to think metrics mm-hmm. uh, i mean sure we can build whatever you want us to build but at the end of the day if you can't measure it what's yeah. the point right i think yeah. that used to be often the conversation whereas here uh at least the way kata sold it was there is matrix culture like you mm-hmm. know you don't have to worry about that you can just yeah. come and do what you want to do mm-hmm. uh so i think that accident happened and uh, post that another four months of back and forth and then uh, eventually rapid mm-hmm. that's great awesome sounds good i mean uh, but do i do i see or do i sense a sense of purpose that led you to sort of you know get on to rapido where you know instead of just convincing other people to do something as you said you wanted to do the whole thing and then tell them i mean you know then in your head or in your heart it becomes you know see i told you it could be possible was, was that kind of like the thought yeah process? i think definitely was there mm-hmm. uh i think we written a lot a lot of people uh could appreciate it but at the same time it was expensive for them to sort of uh uh change because it involves like a lot of organizations changing etc mm-hmm. whereas here there was an opportunity to uh, pick up something that was already uh uh you know just uh, in a in a sensible place like mm-hmm. metrics thinking and culture in operations etc mm-hmm. uh and you know build on on top of that and then enable uh, people to get better metrics better outcomes because of the metrics and yeah. so on and it was almost like a blank slate like okay you go to uh, what what is right yeah uh, so uh, i think that was definitely a selling point uh, mm-hmm. i think there were a few other offers and conversations but this was mm-hmm. mo- probably the uh, yeah. the biggest selling point for picking up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so when you say metrics driven culture in in rapido as an organization so what exactly do you mean by that so i mean for someone who doesn't understand that what 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 does metric driven mean and why is it that most other organizations or why is it that you know a company like rapido is an anomaly in that case you know where they're really metrics driven right so i think uh, just to give you a few nuggets uh perhaps my first conversation with uh, arvind was on the back of uh, look we are trying to hit this outcome number and working our way backwards we think you know there is a lot of optimizations to be done and you know data has a lot of role to play etc etc the conversation started with this is the number right mm-hmm. uh, so that itself was an indicator okay 
uh, while there is uh, clarity of what needs to be done at the same time there is a target as well yeah i think similar thing happened with pawan uh, in one of our first conversations his biggest problem was uh, i think something about demand or something but mm-hmm. I, c- i can't recall like fully but uh, it was always it was almost always okay this is the number yeah. and when i came in as well i think the, the most of our conversation always had okay how do i measure it like mm-hmm. it was it was very voluntarily put forward Mm-hmm. uh whereas in my experience uh in places where i've seen uh, this done in really large companies metrics is probably something that a lot of people don't care right i okay. mean it does not mean that they don't look at numbers it, it's mm-hmm. just that they look at numbers in a certain uh place and time and it's not a uh, not part of the fabric of every conversation or whatever right? mm-hmm. okay so i think in in rapido one of the good things that is going on and i think uh, the founders have done a, a good job at that is uh there is everyone in the operations team and uh, otherwise uh, there is a semblance of okay i need to if i have to make a change i need to be able to substantiate that with some number yeah right wrong you know which is the best etc etc is debatable but at the, at the same time the fact that you are able to do it mm-hmm. uh, and and have that mindset it's yeah. uh, uh, it's a big win mm-hmm. uh, for someone who wants to do something with uh, data mm-hmm. okay That's so i think that that way i would say uh slightly different uh, from other people mm-hmm. can't compare to other other people given i don't know <laughs> no 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 makes sense but yeah, i think i like that because you know as you said you know i mean not the, there there just isn't a clarity of direction but also you know or sort of not an end state but you know a state that you want to reach at this point in time right so that of course you know it's quanti- quantifiable and you know you can of course work backwards from it and of course when you want to make some change as you mentioned uh it, it it makes a lot more sense if you can sort of you know measure what it would take to make that change and what impact would that change have at least you know in quantifiable terms so of course it's always easier to make this decision so that's great to hear you know that metrics i mean we're building a company we're in the early days of building a company so hopefully we can learn something there so thank thanks for that <laughs> um so before we jump into you know the meat of the matter i want to ask a couple of more questions Number one is you know what I mean if I know you said you know your role at Rapido but if you just want to explain a little more what does the head of data science and engineering do at Rapido really so if you could just you know tell, talk about that for a bit so i think uh, one of the biggest parts of the job is to uh, set direction from a how do you get value from data right so uh, come up with the strategy of should we solve this problem versus that or should we solve all of them Whatever, whatever these are, whether it is uh, different levers that we have access to, price, incentive, uh, you know, different marketplace levers, etc., uh, or uh, whether it is providing clarity to teams uh, as to why are they doing what they're doing, uh, why are they going the way they're, uh, you know, to the place where they're going, and uh, what is the actual impact of, uh, you know, uh, whatever they're contributing, etc. Uh, so this is more around you know how do you set strategy how do you set goals how do you uh, you know uh, build that direction uh, in the company per se just from a, a data point of view like what what value will you get from data mm-hmm. uh, the second part of the thing is you solve problems uh, on a day to day basis you solve problems right so uh, these problems might be as simple as uh, this pipeline is broken because the data is not coming or shape of the data is different or whatever uh, yeah. to uh, something as big as this city you know our rights are going down right mm-hmm. so how do we how do we recover from that and so on. 
So it yeah. involves a lot of collaboration with uh, different business teams, uh, internal like uh, teams within data, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think at, at a uh, high level, I would say the role is all about setting direction and providing clarity mm-hmm. uh, as to how and what you should uh, strive as as a as a team, which will contribute mm-hmm. to some data outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so when so so uh, you as the head of the data science department, your department is responsible for collecting data not just of your product, which is you know outside in the hands of millions or hundreds of thousands of people, but also internally in the organization as well. Like you also take track of you know the operations process, the HR process. I'm, I'm sure you know, there are a bunch of organizational processes as well. So is that also the kind of data that you guys crunch and analyze and then give your inputs on? Uh, so it's majority again. If you do it value driven. Uh, we would look at any data that has highest value outcome per se, right? So currently in the state where we are in, uh, given the situation outside and even before that, like given the uh, growth, etc., I think there is more value in us looking at how do we provide better services and how do we provide, uh, uh, you know, uh, faster, reliable and more earnings friendly uh, mm-hmm. kind of a uh, marketplace. I think if we spend more time there, there is more value to be had. Mm-hmm. So at least that's where we are right now. Yeah. Uh, while we s- capture some of the operations related uh, data on a, on the ground, what is happening, even some of the uh, external uh, factors, like you know weather or whatever else. Uh, yeah. While we do that, I think most mostly our focus is on uh, making the marketplace more responsive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and whatever levers we can push to make the marketplace more ex- responsive, that is mm-hmm. at least uh, going to have co- contribution from uh, data. Okay, okay, sounds good. Um, so now we're going to get into sort of you know what 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 uh, what we really want to speak and you know what I'm super excited to learn about. But before that, we're going to just set context. So if you have to explain what and who is Rapido, what would you say? So we are the largest bike sharing uh, and a, a taxi company in India. Uh, so I think uh, before lockdown, uh, we were the largest uh, taxi company uh, with rides anywhere between you know three lakhs to four lakhs rides a day, kind of right ballpark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think. Uh, uh, back pre-COVID, I think we were, we had uh, taxi and we used to do some amount of uh, 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 delivery to, uh, you know, to different businesses. Uh, as in businesses used to hire us to uh, for their delivery operations and stuff. Uh, I think post-COVID, we are a slightly more, uh, uh, shall we say, uh, energized uh, offering where uh, we now have a courier product. Uh, which oh. people can use to send, you know, uh, local couriers. Like a Dunzo model. So like a Dunzo uh, model. Like like model. I'd say it's a Rapido model, but sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. So it's called local uh, Rapido local. If you've not used it, uh, it's it's a very simple, you know, customer to customer courier kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, there is now another product on, uh, uh, you know, just running errands. Like you can uh, buy this, what? that, and this from stores. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there is a buy from store uh, product. Uh, I think there's also uh, maybe this is too early to announce, but you should look forward to uh, some of the services on auto. Uh, you started in Hyderabad. Auto rickshaw. Yeah. Uh, oh, what? 
Wow. And okay. uh, hopefully we'll we, we want to see if we can expand that to a lot of other cities as well. So so is it ride hailing? It's like Ola Auto, Uber Auto, Rapid Auto. It's like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. That that's that's cool. That's nice. So I'm guessing. I think one of the things that I, I think considering the whole delivery landscape, which is shot through the roof because of COVID. I think even in your business, have you, of course, you know, I mean, you've seen the whole shift from, you know, B2C, which is, you know, bike taxi into more of a delivery focused uh, sort of revenue generating thing for you guys. As, as you just highlighted the products, I'm sensing, you know, your B2B has now sort of, you know, taken the larger share of the pie than the B2C, right? Uh, not? Probably not. So I think as a business, like the vision for us is move, right? So we, we will offer any logistics and mobility uh, services with a vision of moving India, right? Like, yeah. Uh, and I think uh, this is a common conversations. I'm sure uh, even Arvind will talk about this. Uh, I think there are probably 300 million commutes that happen in India. And uh, there is not a, a single player who captures all the 300 million, right? So okay. even if he... Uh, so our goal is to become the... Uh, reliable transportation uh, mechanism for commute, which will mm-hmm. capture most of the India's needs or mm-hmm. you know, a large part of the Indi- India's needs. Mm-hmm. So with that kind of a goal, uh, while we want to move not just people, uh, we also want to, want to move goods. Uh, but I think currently there was a bit of change in share of uh, rights, etc. But it's back. Like I think currently uh, uh, taxis back as mm-hmm. our biggest market share. Okay. Uh, but you know, uh, some of the delivery stuff is not too far behind. Uh, that, that's interesting. I mean, I, I was considering because you know, with the concerns around safety and I mean, bike taxis right there, you know, they're right behind each other. So I mean, I haven't like I mean, just just understand what what are the steps that Rapid has taken to sort of you know have that hygiene layer uh, between the pilot and the customer. How have you mentioned? Have you made sure you know and made consumers? sort of uh, not, not so paranoid of taking a bike taxi. Right. So I think uh, one of the things that you have to understand is some people don't have a choice, but they have to travel. Right. Uh, now, our goal is to make sure that their travel is as safe as possible uh, while it is cost effective. So what that means is, you know, you don't have to get into a bus or a metro or whatever else. Uh, in the open air, the propensity of uh, you know, the widespread, et cetera, et cetera, is low. But at the same time, we want to uh, ensure whoever is flying are safe themselves. Like, uh, for example, uh, one of the things that we ask our captains to do is constantly check temperature uh, whenever possible, wherever possible. Uh, because I think given they're moving all the time, even checking temperature is hard, right? So yeah, it just right. gets, uh, if you're in the sun, it, it varies and so on and so forth, right? Uh, so the other thing that we like mask is on, it's a must, uh, we might soon roll out something, uh, roll out something to sort of, uh, try and see if we can get better compliance. Uh, so the third thing that we are now experimenting with is a shield, uh, which allows, uh, like a layer between the rider and the uh, customer. Mm-hmm. This is experimental. We're trying to yeah. test it out in a, in a, in a few places mm-hmm. and see, you know, if it is comf- comfortable, does that work? Yeah. Uh, are customers willing to sort of uh, use it and so on and so forth? Mm-hmm. More importantly, are captains okay with it? Yeah. Uh, so that is something that is getting tried. Uh, Arugya Setu is sort of mandatory for all captains. Like they have to install uh, mm-hmm. 
Arogi Setu uh, as one of the apps. Yeah. Uh, and I think there are also uh, some of these hand sanitizers uh, wherever possible. See, I think the challenge with bike is uh, unlike an auto or a taxi. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's mm-hmm. hard to carry. Uh, if it gets over, what do you do? You have to go buy. Exactly. You know, some of that is just, uh, it's an operational challenge. Uh, while we're trying to solve for some of these, I think at least currently what we're making sure is at least some of the basic etiquettes, uh, everyone should be uh, following that and so on. Right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's what is the current state. I, mean, mm-hmm. I think in the near future, there is a lot of focus on solving for safety. Yeah. Uh, whether it is Corona or otherwise. right? Of so course. we definitely want to uh, solve for safety. And hopefully we'll have something to uh, show, which is probably more innovative and first mm-hmm. time in India. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. That's great. So talking about data, one one metric I'd like you to give us and the audience is, you know, how many bikes are on your platform currently? Like, That's a great question. Unfortunately, I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> but I, I think I can, I can definitely talk about uh, uh, ballpark uh, number of captains. Ballpark. Uh, who are on the platform, uh, right? I think at any given point in time, actively, uh, if this was in March, you would have seen probably three to six lakhs, it varies, mm-hmm. uh, uh, bikes on, an, on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, uh, having said that, I think there are a lot of factors that uh, come into showing how many people are there on the platform. Yeah, of course. Uh, and again, act definition of active and so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think now the numbers are uh, slightly lower because the need for movement is slightly lower. Uh, but I would say, you know, at, at any given point, you can assume somewhere between three to six. Got it. Nice. Six, you know. Good range. Very good. <laughs> uh, so tell me how and why is every city in India driven differently or moves differently? So maybe let's talk about this uh, with an example. Uh, we'll get into the examples. I have a, I have a very interesting sort of you know way in which we okay, can uh, sure. deconstruct your experience. But but answer this question for me first. Okay, so I think uh, every city is different because uh, fundamentally this city is a living and breathing thing, thing right? Uh, it's primarily because of the people in it and their needs, right? Uh, like Bangalore is an IT city, whereas Jamshedpur is not. Right? Uh, you know, Mumbai is a is a multifaceted, but only more driven by financial services and so on. Uh, Hyderabad is again a tech, there is a tech part of the city, there is a logistics part of the city, and stuff going on. So I think every city in that sense has uh, is different because of its different need to move, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, because it has different needs. Uh, for movement, uh, it also behaves differently. Like the way it behaves to price, or the way it behaves to availability, or the time it wakes up, or you know the time it goes to sleep. All of this yeah. is uh, different, right? Mm-hmm. So added to that, I think even geography, uh, weather, like is it winter, summer, is it raining, not raining? Yeah. Like everything matters, especially mm-hmm. when you're exposed to all elements because of the uh, bike taxi, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I think every city has a story to tell, for sure. Especially in a diverse country like India, right? It's definitely, never the definitely. same. I mean, I mean, we have even in the same state, I at every hundred kilometers, languages change, traditions change, and pretty sure mobility changes too. That's a good mix there. 
Uh, and that's a perfect segue into what I want to focus on, you know. Now, I know you have, you are at the receiving end of, I don't know, petabytes of data, I'm sure, of mobility coming in from the Rapido systems, right? Uh, so, I want you to sort of tell us stories of these different cities that Rapido operates in, in sort of a, you know, a different uh, geographical bifurcation. So, it's going to be north, south, east, west. I want you to take one, from each of these regions, I want, I want you to take one mega city and one sort of, you know, tier two city or, you know, upcoming city or whatever you want to call it. And tell us stories about how they're driven differently, even in the same region, which is north. And then, you know, sort of similarly for all regions. So, if you, so let's, let's get started. Pick your, pick your direction first. Let's start with Bangalore. It's easy. <laughs> Given we are in Bangalore. So, I think yeah. this, uh, most south. of this, uh, yeah, so I think most of this is uh, on the basis of uh, what we've observed uh, from a demand, etc. point of view. Uh, and I think this is also because of the way the city is designed and, and, and what happens in the city and so on. Yeah. Right? Now, uh, one of the things about Bangalore is uh, uh, there is IT for sure. Uh, but what people don't realize is there are... There is a very specific pattern in uh, in Bangalore, just from a mobility point of view. Uh, so maybe one of the ways of framing this is uh, Bangalore has a tech boulevard, uh, where a boulevard is you know like mm -hmm. trees trees on both sides, etc. Whereas I think in Bangalore it's slightly different. Uh, you have tech parks on both sides, like you have mm -hmm. a huge lay, huge outer ring road and tech parks yeah. on both sides. Yeah. So, like the road between Sarjapur uh, road on 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 the one side to let's say Kerpura on the other, mm -hmm. uh, you have four, five, six kilometers of uh, uh, like it's almost sprawl of tech parks, right? Yeah. Now, what this does is uh, it puts interesting challenges on how people move. Right. So you will see a lot of uh, patterns and anti-patterns uh, of uh, what people ask for, what do they do and how, how do they move and so on. And in some cases, uh, it's fairly funny and in some cases it's not so funny. Like uh, if, if you take uh, some of the tech villages on the, uh, on the outer ring road, uh, they are, I think if you, if you have to deliver something or pick up someone, you have to go at least a kilometer uh, in, okay. inside yeah. and then you have to, you know, <laughs> circle around, go through all that security, whatever, yeah. and then come back, right? So what that has led to is there are some uh, microcosm of need where uh, people want you to fetch something from outside the tech park oh. and then come and give it back to you. <laughs> oh, wow. Right? Like, so this is part of the courier thing, whatever, uh -huh. where... Uh, uh, you know, get me some chai from chai point or uh, whatever else if they're not able to deliver. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, such kinds of needs sort of crop up, which is fairly uh, spontaneous. And it, you know, because the service is there uh, and because of the way it is designed, some of these things happen. The other flip side to this is uh, if, let's say you're a captain, uh, let's say you are uh, near uh, Sajapur Road signal. And you get an order, uh, let's say you have to go to, uh, I don't know, Embassy Tech Village or something like that. Uh, somewhere close by, perhaps maybe other uh, mm -hmm. uh, palm retreats or something. Uh, you have to navigate the traffic 
and it's just one road, right? There are only very few crossings and uh, underpasses and so on, like flyovers mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and so on. So you have to navigate all of that and then get to the entrance. But after that, you have to go like a kilometer. Yeah. Right? So you start seeing uh, different patterns of how both your captains and customers behave. Yeah. So you'll see captains sort of lining up near uh, tech box mm-hmm. uh, instead of uh, other places or sometimes even under the flyover. Oh, right? Yeah. Uh, because it's at a junction, you can go everywhere. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I think the point is uh, it shapes both sides of the uh, mobility piece uh, because of the way the city is designed. Mm-hmm. Right? And you, you will see this pattern flyover after the flyover. Right? Okay. Right? You'll see this everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while Paris has Champs-Élysées, mm-hmm. I think Bangalore has the Sarjapur Road to Kyarpuram mm-hmm. Tech Boulevard. Maybe we should yeah. just rename it. <laughs> Tech Boulevard, yeah. Forget Outer Ring Road. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's nice. Um, yeah, so, so, that, so I think that, that's the story of Bangalore. So, so what happens is uh, you will see a lot of these. This is just one part of Bangalore, right? So, you'll see similar things of course. Uh, going on in uh, PTM layout when mm-hmm. one of the earliest rising uh, uh, parts of Bangalore people start mm-hmm. taking rides in 7 a.m. in the morning and so on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it happens, a similar thing happens in the north uh, yeah. near uh, Majestic and stuff like that. Uh, so I think you, what you will start seeing is when you start look at the, looking at this data, you will start seeing uh, uh, the way a city sort of rises and then the way a city behaves and where does the city move and so on yeah. and so forth. Yeah. So it's fair to say it's fair to say that once you have the uh, data of mobility of people, you know, like the individual or you know, a group of people, it's fair to say that you kind of have an idea of how they live their lives. Technically, right? Because I mean, so much of human lives depends on, you know, how we move, where we go, what we get, what we don't get, all of that, you know. So, I mean, you start, I mean, as you said, you know, one of the earliest rising sort of group is the BTM layer thing. I mean, that gives you an idea of, you know, the kind of people that live there, the kind of jobs they must have done. done. So, it, is, it, is it fair to say that in your experience that, you know, you might have some idea of how people live their lives? I would say we will have some idea of how people move for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we'll tend to be less intrusive about what we collect. So we naturally don't know what people do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think based on how they move, we can make an educated guess. Okay. Yeah. Probably they're going to a tech park or probably yeah. they're going to some exactly. restaurant or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Right. Of course. Uh, so I think there, there are a few uh, things that can benefit from uh, looking at this data for sure, like just both from a consumer uh, of uh, mobility service, uh, as well as as a city, just managing uh, its mobility needs. Right, I think there's immense benefit in looking at mm-hmm. data. Got it. Uh, take take me through another smaller city in the southern uh, sort of you know region of India, and talk to me about a story that's interesting from your point of view that you've seen as part of Rapido that's significantly dif- different. Of course, that's how Bangalore moves. Uh, I think in the south, we are where are we? We are in probably Coimbatore, Vizag, Vijayawada. Uh, maybe we could talk about one of the things about Vijayawada. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vijayawada is an interesting city. A lot of mobility stuff happens in uh, Vijayawada. Like even it probably has, I'm not sure if this is Vizag or Vijayawada. I think it, one of them probably has the uh, biggest second-hand impound lot 
biggest second hand sorry what impound lot like it has the second hand two wheeler uh, oh, impound okay. or some sort okay uh commercial not you know uh, not police or etc but commercial lot mm-hmm. uh and there are a lot of other funny nuggets like this you will see in that city and uh, that also is sometimes visible in the preference from a, a customer need point of view right mm-hmm. so vaisag and vijayawada is probably unlikely cities where you will see a lot of mobility uh, whether it is in by taxi or otherwise mm-hmm. uh, but you will see a lot of mobility because because of that uh, cultural alignment ease of access lack of mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know public transport and so on and so forth right mm-hmm. so i think vijayawada is one of such cities where uh, the they've open arms embraced uh, bike taxi uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of in a lot of places uh, i think the other uh, thing is wherever you you see rivers you'll see a lot of uh, funny behaviors both from customers and captain Ah. Uh, I think Vijayawada is one of such cities where wherever there is, if if your order is coming from one side of the river and you have to go to the other side to pick up, almost always, uh, you know, there is resistance. Okay. So we do we do a bunch of things to sort of make sure that doesn't happen, and you know, it it, it is localized and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. But sometimes during demand crunch, it does happen. Yeah. Uh, and you will start seeing uh, desirability from a. Uh, city point of view, and if I'm on this side of the uh, river, I want to I want to be on this side. Mm-hmm. If I'm on, on that side, or yeah. when people are trying to go home, mm-hmm. uh, especially when there is a river, they will not touch a order from this side. They would always want to go. Okay, uh, because get an order from the other. The home side, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I think you'll start seeing some some funny behavior, uh, funny behaviors like that. Ah, that's interesting. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Let's let's talk about. Uh, let's go to. uh let's go to east so in the east side uh w- which are the pick pick one big city pick one small city and talk to me about some interesting things that are different there uh the east i think let's talk about uh, uh maybe guwahati mhm uh slightly smaller it's not that big yeah uh it's one of such cities which is which has a desire to move and has has embraced uh by taxi per se uh and i think there's also a lot of youtube content from gohati Con- content creators that that's a good point i think i've seen right. that as well and uh, i think they like the bike taxi and the experience and the sharing of experience and so on i think i've seen a few uh interesting uh, content things coming from gohati i think I, someone uh, on a benelli or some uh, ducati or some, some such super bike mm-hmm. uh registered with rapido what <laughs> yeah. and wow. uh, uh that was probably one hell of a rapido ride right <laughs> of course uh, so i think that, that happened in uh, uh, gohati i think that city in general likes bikes and you see a lot of young crowd mm-hmm. uh, enthusiasts uh, who have registered both as part time and full time wow uh, sort of captains uh, apart from that i have not observed a lot from uh, just as a story of uh, mm-hmm. you know gohati a lot Mm-hmm. uh but it's definitely a city that moves uh, yeah. on bikes mm-hmm. uh if you want to go to bigger cities uh kolkata is weird i say weird i mean <laughs> sure kolkata people in kolkata are very nice <laughs> uh love the sweets but uh, it's just as a behavior it's quite interesting where uh, at least from a uh, rapido point of view uh it is one of the cities which wakes up late 
Okay. I don't know if they move late. I don't know if choose they your come. choose your words carefully here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if they move late. I don't know if they uh, really wake up late or are, are they just you know relaxed uh, uh, with all the goodness of Kolkata. <laughs> Uh, but it's something that happens, right? So, uh, so I think in typically you will see like a morning peak and an evening peak in most of the cities, right? In Bangalore, it is a very common yeah. sight, yeah. right? Uh, but I think Kolkata has a, a laid back, you know, eleven o'clock peak. Oh, okay, eleven o'clock. I, I again don't know why that happens. <laughs> uh, and then we'd be making an educated guess. We could talk to a bunch of people and figure out. But uh, yeah. I'm sure there is something in that city which makes it. That mm-hmm. right, and, and that's quite interesting. People might just love each other, you know. They want to spend some time with family. They don't want to rush to office there. Who knows? Which is great, like fantastic. Maybe just everyone in Kolkata should go to all the cities, right? So that's <laughs> absolutely. <fantastic. laughs> yes, you're uh, the other one. Yeah. So I think the other thing, uh, other funny thing about uh, Kolkata is it's also one of those. Uh, uh, Bangalore is circular, right? Yes. So we have our inner ring road, outer ring yeah, road, yeah, peripheral, yeah. all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Kolkata is not like that. So Kolkata is more like Bombay. It's mm-hmm. slightly more vertical, and I yeah. think it has that bridge, and mm-hmm. then you go another side and sort of stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, so often you will see one-way movements. Okay. Uh, don't know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, maybe because uh, whenever they are in a rush, they take a more convenient transport, and then whenever uh, they're not, yeah, I mean they will probably take car. Oh. Yeah. Don't know. Right, but I think the uh, the interesting thing is uh, the city, the, like majority of the city, uh, behaves like that. Again, this is also part of that interpretation. Like, yeah, we sh- probably shouldn't conclude that the city is like that. It's just that it, it is a behavior that you observe, right? So mm-hmm. it's quite interesting to see like these unidirectional uh, movements and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Yeah, I think the peculiar thing about Kolkata is the laid back eleven o'clock peak. So, so is it fair to say that are they the most sort of you know their peak is the most sort of late amongst the rest of India, or are there some more late back cities? I think India? I think you will see late back cities in India. I think uh, in metros, I would say they are mm-hmm. uh, probably the most late back, yeah. just from a, a bike taxi point of view, perhaps. Got it. Uh, but I think there are other cities where you will have a one o'clock peak. What? Yeah, who would be? Is it? I'm pretty sure it's not Mumbai, you know, because it's scorching heat and all of that stuff. You know, definitely not the west side. Is it the west side? Uh, it's typically so you will see this in student cities. Kota. Let's go to that. Examples. Let's go to that city. Yes, talk to me about that. So Kota is interesting. Kota, I think uh, uh, students who have studied for IIT etc. will relate to this, but. Hundreds of de- hundreds of dreams have been realized, and millions of dreams have been shattered Squashed. in that city. That's the city. It, it's a city that is uh, probably cursed by these many millions, <laughs> millions of. I'm sure they revere the city. It's, it's, <laughs> it is a it is a fair place. So I think yeah. Kota is interesting because uh, it's it's one of those cities which has a highest number of rides on a Sunday, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and it has highest number of rides on a Sunday, like morning to afternoon, right? which is why would you take rides <laughs> on a Sunday morning to afternoon? Yeah. Uh, students got to write their exams, they got to crack the IITs, got to hustle. Yeah, so I think this is a hustle coming from uh, uh, these tutorials mm-hmm. uh, where most of the people wake up 
uh, and then take take bike taxis to go to yeah. these tutorials right? so it's also very yeah. tight and compact city you know just two or three kilometers of mm-hmm. uh, uh, city center or whatever yeah so it's quite convenient for bikes to sort of fly yeah I, and i think uh, i mean of course you know all of us in india have a cousin who studied in kota or they might you might yourself would have studied in kota uh but i had a i had a cousin and i think i mean I, or how much ever i sort of you know uh, learned about kota i think that's a place that's two wheeler dominated because it's such a small city and the students yeah. of course you know you can't afford cars there right so i think two wheeler as a just you know from a form factor point i think two wheelers dominate that city right uh yeah. and and that's one of the reason it was pretty easy to embrace that now that you know people or kids didn't really have to have their own bikes they could just hop on to someone else and you know reach and i'm pretty sure the fares are convenient you know and whatever 10 15 20 bucks that's yeah. that's a super convenient way of moving around in small cities that's what i think you know rapido correct me if i'm wrong does rapido makes make more sense economical sense in a smaller indian cities because prior to that uh you know they would have taken their own vehicles or you know there isn't just a dominant form of mobility i mean an ola uber wouldn't make sense right even in a kota so has rapido as a bike taxi concept nailed that need for mobility in smaller cities in india uh i would say yes and no uh i think it's it's sort of twofold so one is bike taxis make a lot of sense when you're traveling short distances uh and when you're traveling uh in tents and packed areas on on demand right it does not matter which city it's yeah. it's true across the board so mm-hmm. uh so i think anywhere this kind of a need exists they've embraced uh bike taxis mm-hmm. now if you ask me tier 2 tier 3 cities is this true absolutely uh simply because uh i think the mode of trans- transportation uh is well placed in solving the gaps mm. uh, that exist because of let's say public corridors or whatever else yeah right uh, you can't have a metro everywhere so buses need to be there if buses are not there then you know you fall back to something like this yeah uh so i think the tier 2 tier 3 cities this is a, a mm. genuine trend for sure mm-hmm. uh so i think one of the things that uh, uh, we used to track is the number of cities that we are in uh i think back in march we had hit nearly 90 cities in india i think almost 100 at some point yeah. and then you know we had to mm-hmm. uh we were doing intermittent rides in some of the uh, cities etc yeah uh and that is primarily in tier 2 and tier 3 cities right mm-hmm. so uh i think there is a, a lot of relevance for doing infrastructure less Uh, yeah you know uh, of course taxi systems in in tier mm-hmm. 3 yeah cities. yeah i'm sure absolutely i mean like, i can only imagine you know i mean because i have a significant part of my family living in tier 2 tier 3 cities and i go there i mean there's no metro there's no bus i mean you have your own vehicles and of course two wheelers four wheelers a mix of both right and all of a sudden a public transportation system is for the first time introduced apart from auto rickshaws of course right and i'm i'm sure you know i mean it's such a convenient way of moving around it's uh, such a quick way of moving around you know so i'm pretty sure you know people embrace that fact as well so that that's great you know that uh, bike taxi as a concept could really uh, sort of you know solve a need ready need in tier 2 cities in india coming back to the west western part of india uh, you picked a smaller city which is kota uh, pick a bigger city of your choice that has an interesting thing to say uh i think north and west is a bit uh what is that i would say yeah 
so Kota has that morning thing going on. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, Delhi has an interesting story to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, simply because of the different parts of Delhi. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is a unique problem to Delhi or whichever uh, union territory that sits on the mm-hmm. border of two states. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you would have people who live in Noida doing rights in Gurgaon and, uh, you know, uh, Central Delhi, mm-hmm. uh, New Delhi, uh, or somewhere in the north, you know, Faridabad, Ghaziabad, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. Uh, and doing rights uh, down south and so on. So there is a genuine uh, movement of people mm-hmm. uh, which happens across the board, yeah. right? And uh, Noida sort of leads the way. Like no- Noida is uh, is again one of those cities which has, uh, I think now the metro is coming up and I think there are a few things going on there. Uh, but I think there are a lot, there's a lot of movement in and out of Noida. Mm-hmm. And there are very few things that sort of uh, service that movement, mm-hmm. uh, if, I were, if I were to call it so. And just to the nearby places, right? It's not like yeah. Noida, you have to go to Gurgaon or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think uh, even there, uh, bike taxi sort of uh, fits the bill. Uh, yeah. Even as a metro feeder, sort of bike, bike taxi sort of fits the mm-hmm. bill. And then you will start seeing these funny uh, ride patterns just taking you to the you know metro station. Yeah. Right? And... Uh, uh, that is something that is uh, uh, unique to any city that has metro. I think it's more prominent in yeah. uh, Delhi, where it is to and from metro. And, and I think that kind of a, if you draw a metro line and then you draw rights happening, it would look like veins. Okay. Right? Got it. Uh, and I think that's uh, more evident in uh, the NCR region than mm-hmm. uh, any other place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also evident in Bangalore. It's just that. Uh, Bangalore, the yeah, the Bangalore is... sucks. Please, <laughs> I, <wouldn't> say, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, but uh, sure, I think it's not as as effective as uh, other cities as yet. Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, it. Ha- I mean, uh, the only, I, I think the only place it's relevant is that whole Yashwantpur belt. You know, that whole green line is the one that makes sense. This purple line is just for taking pictures. That's all. You know, it's nothing else. <laughs> Uh, it serves no need. I see hardly any people because I've traveled on both those belts. My God. I mean, I, I can, I can genuinely see the shift, you know. So when you get to that majestic and you get from, get off the purple line to the green line, my God, there's an army of people into that, you know, whole Pena side because, you know, these are daily wage workers. These are, you know, sort of hard earning workers who, who the metro really serves well. And I mean, that's who it should, really should be for. So completely makes sense. Uh, but yeah, of course, Delhi, Delhi metro, amazing. Love the connectivity these that these guys have. I mean, you don't need anything, and you can still survive, you know, in that city, and you can move around, and of course, at less cost. So that Delhi Metro, right up there, Bangalore Metro, low, lower on the scoreboard. So that, that that's how it scores. Sure, <laughs> I'm allowed to criticize the city. I've been brought brought up here. Uh, it's uh, no problem there. So I, I wanted you to highlight two more cities and two more interesting stories, but slightly on the wilder extreme, you know. Like where, which is the most wildest place that you've seen people embrace Rapido? Either it, it, it could either be geographically wild, like somewhere up north, I don't know, Shimla, if you guys are there, you know, or it could be just culturally wild. I don't know, you know, pick, pick your, pick, pick your uh, definition of wild, but give me two cities that, that you never imagined Rapido could, you know, be there and it's thriving. Uh, I mean, thriving or not. Uh, but I it exists at least, yeah. Yeah. So I think the thing that fascinated me was, uh, when we saw rides in Tirupati. Okay. 
which was for me okay this is a hilltop city yeah. and it's a tourist city and people there uh, it's a very small tight uh, you know core right like you walk yeah. around and even there there are rides happening etc which was very fascinating mm-hmm. uh, and i think i think some of them happen even up and down yeah uh, so at this personally like for me it was quite fascinating okay tirupati there is uh, there is rights happening mm-hmm. uh, that is one thing for sure uh, i think the bizarre i would say plenty of these bizarre things going on mm-hmm. right so uh, kota was bizarre right like yeah. why would you take a ride on a sunday <laughs> morning right so uh, that was uh, quite interesting to see and i think even btm uh, is interesting to see btm for me what fascinates uh, me with the, the entire the ptm area is uh people are definitely like they've hugged rapido in a sense right like which is fascinating to see okay uh, i think at some point we were struggling to sort of match uh, the demand needs uh, in btm and we had to put solutions in place to just yeah uh, you know uh, solve that problem uh, from a supply point of view or whatever and i think the primary cause for that is silk board yeah okay if you have to cross silk board uh, you need rocket ship or that, that's that's bangalore's river that nobody wants to go to if you want to sort of stay this side of silk board or that side they want to cross it yeah i think it, it's interesting you say that so the uh, there are many of these divisions that happen mm-hmm. uh, and i think it exists in almost every city like uh, railway lines highways uh signals like that mm, and, yeah. and so on and i think there there's one like that in uh, gurgaon where one side like there there's a highway that passes through the the entire uh, uh gurgaon tech area yeah right and uh, the, again it acts like a river where people want to stay in one side and demand mm-hmm. from one side and supply from the other it becomes yeah. hard etc mm-hmm. uh similar thing happens with uh, the silver junction mm-hmm. uh i think that's at least for me some of those were fairly uh, interesting because where is where are these people coming from i mean <laughs> which is great it's fascinating to see like so many people embracing something that is not so mm-hmm. uh, culturally aligned from an india point of view yeah uh, okay. where we all grown up either in a, a bus or a rickshaw or a, mm-hmm. a you know horse uh, tanga if you if you familiar with that or even cycle rickshaw right like yeah cycle so i think as a culture we have embraced those more than sit behind me which mm-hmm. is a it's a new experience i mean of course uh, it's slightly more uh, uh it, it takes getting used to and you know you of have course. to you have to mm-hmm. uh, look for uh, being comfortable in that situation and so on Absolutely. and so forth and and some cities embracing that is just fascinating uh, absolutely that's great that's great uh, one 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 last thing that popped up in my head from a data point is you know uh from this i mean what percentage of rapido consumers are males versus females because in my bias or as much as i can think i think it's going to be more males than females of course but i want to see the ratio by which it's different uh i don't remember this off the top of my head uh, it is definitely more males uh Uh, but i think there are a few uh well when i say few like there there's a, a certain percentage of people who definitely vouch for rapido and this is a female population right okay uh so they find this service 
liberating because it has given them uh, uh, freedom from you know crowded buses or haggling with uh, autos uh, or even paying exorbitant cab fees, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think that is there for sure. Uh, I def- I mean I don't want to just give a random number, but I don't mm-hmm. definitely yeah, I don't remember the mm-hmm. uh, ratio as yet. I, I yeah. would imagine it being anything between you know seventy thirty to sixty forty. Uh, yeah. 60-40 is the best case. I don't think it is 60-40. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Any 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 stories around? I mean, I don't know if you have the data for it, but anyway, uh, I mean, you're the data guy head. I mean, I mean, you should have all of this. <laughs> uh, but but any any particular city region where you know the female population is uh, or that takes rapid ride is significantly higher than the national average of sorts. Any anything there? Not any of our cities as yet. So, I think uh, what we are seeing is there is a trend of increase in adoption uh, across the board. Uh, at least we don't have a story where one city is more female than male. I, yeah, I don't think yeah. that's there as yet. Yeah, of course. But but I think you know, just from a safe, safety standpoint, I think taking bike taxi makes so much more sense because, of course, you know, there's, there's so much, I mean, of course, there's less people. There's just one bike guy. I mean, if he's not concentrating on riding a bike, I mean, they're going to fall, right? So, safety standpoint, I mean... He is vulnerable, not the lady per se, you know, because she can just hit him on the head in case there's anything wrong, right? Uh, and I think also because, you know, from the structure of a bike, it's not enclosed. Using enclosed sort of taxis and even auto rickshaws for that matter, it's much more of a sort of, you know, getting into someone else's safe and you're sort of confined by that. But bike taxi, pretty much open, you can jump off the second you feel something going wrong, right? So I think even from those standpoints, bike taxis seem to be, in my opinion, much more safer from a safety standpoint. Would you agree to that? Uh, I think it is definitely uh, one way to look at it. Uh, I think while the app also sort of tries to make it safer with, you know, ability to track and, you know, you can share it with another person, there's SOS and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, I think there's there's an active uh, community of captains who also care about uh, such issues, right? Really? So. Okay. Which I, I think, as a as a system, it is sort of uh, working out right now. And I think there are, like I said, uh, I've seen uh, female customers who have been a, a, a massive uh, voice on the social media and so on for Rapido, mm-hmm. um, either with their stories of how it has helped and changed. Uh, the way they move and the freedom that they've gotten and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. um, I see a general trend in adoption uh, mm-hmm. given some of these benefits. Yeah. Uh, and we hope to keep it that way. I think we want to make this more safer across the board, not just uh, uh, not just from COVID, etc. In general, we yeah. want this to be more reliable, more safer uh, way of traveling than uh, any other form. I mean, no uh, disrespect to any other form. It's just that we want to... Yeah generally make this more safer uh, in of course. of course no no I, I agree to that you know I mean safety as an issue for too long has been sort of you know neglected from the field of mobility I mean at least in the Indian context and I think right now with, with this new way of mobility that's happening you know in all forms from petrol to electric from uh, you know uh, sort of ownership of mobility to shared mobility you know I think safety at least for me and I think a lot of companies is a big central piece around which you know their whole service is being designed and hopefully will continue to be designed. I think safety safety is a big theme in mobility uh, for me and a lot of the others that, that are, you know, working in the industry. So that's great to hear. Um, 
one last question before we jump to the final one is does what percentage again you know what what percentage of uh, captains do you have as female captains you know who ride bikes and do the service like is that a sizable chunk there i think it's fairly small uh, most of them are male okay. uh, like 98 99% uh, okay. male kind of but there is a pop- and again this is with respect to like 6 7 lakhs people right uh but there is a certain uh, small population which has embraced uh being a captain mm-hmm. uh i think there are a few part timers who like doing this because they get to meet new people i've se- i've met a few uh, uh uh female product owners uh, from different companies who get to just meet people get different points of view get ideas and so on and so forth who are captains yeah uh, i've i've met uh, founders of some companies who are female founders who mm-hmm. uh, embraced captain because you know they get to meet people etc yeah uh this is that especially in bangalore this is a phenomenon uh, that you will see mm-hmm. uh and i think there are a few people who do who base their livelihoods uh, on the back yeah. of and again female uh, captains but the the number is fairly small and and i think mm-hmm. uh there are a few thought process as to uh, how we want to bring it up and improve and so on uh but i think it is genuinely going to take time Uh, simply of because of the firstly i think the ridership of uh, uh just female riders in general is fairly low in india mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and i don't think we are definitely at this point proportionate to the like yeah. the overall ridership etc yeah uh hopefully you know if, if you have this conversation again sometime maybe you know we'll see uh, some changes into that yeah yeah absolutely i mean I, i'd love to see that because you know I mean having the freedom to move around is so big you know it's so huge yeah. because uh, it just gives it, it just opens up opportunities you know if you can't travel more than 2 kilometers i mean your opportunities are just sort of in that circle right if you can move around beyond which for, for some reason has been women in our country have been restricted the opportunities are restricted so hopefully you know rapido plays a big role in sort of giving that freedom back to uh, women that they deserve so uh, that 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 i hope that happens uh coming to the end of the sort of you know podcast i want to ask one of course you know data point i mean this is something that everyone's talking about and you know what it's about you know it's it's coming <laughs> so sitting at where you are right now you know 5 months into this whole covid thing from a, from a data standpoint a help me understand what has been the of course the impact has been bad but from a business perspective what has been the impact of covid on the business of uh, uh, rapido and how has if at all and how has it set the course of how you or where you wanted to reach as a company your vision as a company uh, how, how has covid sort of you know sort of knocked you off your course or you know course corrected you into a different way if at all it has so if you could help understand that so covid has definitely has played a spoil sport uh i think it's almost like uh, there was a bullet train bullet train going and then the bridge is off like yeah <laughs> right so that has definitely happened uh, and i think past few months especially in the beginning uh, with the entire country sort of shut down it was fairly difficult like no rides happening people are not moving for good reasons uh, right uh and at the same time i think the good thing that was uh, going on i mean just if you think about it from a captain point of view their earnings are gone 
course because the need of uh, movement is gone the platform is not able to help etc etc mm-hmm. right uh, so from a uh, only silver lining there was there was some demand which was delivery oriented uh, which helped to an extent but mm-hmm. again not at the levels at which we were uh, in the mm-hmm. past i think even now we are at a, a steady pace of recovery but more and more uh, city sort of opening up will make that yeah. better Mm-hmm. Uh, so while it is a mobility platform, it's also an earnings yeah. Uh, yeah. platform, right? So I think just from an earnings point of view, it's it's uh, improving uh, uh, day by day. I think the biggest thing that Corona did was uh, it made a lot of people's a lot of people who depend on the uh, earnings from this uh, like slightly unpredictable, yeah. right? Uh, and I think uh, we ran a few initiatives to sort of alleviate that, but mm-hmm. you can't replace, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, like massive full-scale operations mm-hmm. um, and earnings from that with whatever initiative you run. So that was definitely a spot spot did not help. Mm-hmm. Uh, even from our goals point of view, while we were the largest uh, ride-sharing company uh, uh, in in India. Our goal was to sort of leapfrog from there. I think we were growing uh, fairly well. Uh, we had moved into these 80, 90, uh, etc. cities. Yeah. I think there were, even in those cities, there were so many opportunities to sort of expand into and solve for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely did play some spoil sport uh, into that. We were looking forward to IPL, serving, mm-hmm. serving IPL, yeah. uh, which didn't happen. Uh, like a lot of these... Uh, Things that you would have probably taken for granted, yeah, uh, and said, "Okay, this is our growth path," and so on and so forth. Uh-huh. Definitely, definitely uh, did not happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think coming out of that, the hope is we will be able to ride this wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think our investors and like the entire board is uh, sort of helping us go through this, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I think there's some bit of planning which helps us to. Uh, sort of see 2021 properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, our hope is we will recover as a country. Just everyone is safe, and you know yeah. we, we get a vaccine soon, and yeah. uh, things come back to normal. Or testing becomes much much cheaper, and things come back to normal or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hope is we will come back to track. Uh, uh, like that's the first goal uh, of whatever we were back in March. Uh, and then post that, continue our journey of whatever we had aspired to before. Right? Yeah. But it's definitely played six to eight months of spoil sport, mm-hmm. uh, like a 35 grams of disease. Yeah, yeah, of course. So how, how just just to understand, you know, because bike tech is such a new concept, even though you guys have been around for four, five years now, right? I mean, it's still, for some people, it's just like, what the fuck, you know? It's just a very interesting, new uh, a lot of curious, I would say amongst all of the mobility options out there, bike taxi as a concept is the most that has a lot of curiosity around it, you know, there's, there's just, I don't know, there's just something around it that, you know, that's weird, but also exciting and, you know, it's, it's just that mix of it. So given that's the position that, you know, even the concept or it, I'm sure it has been well established, but not at the extent that Rapido would want in a four or five year time span, how has COVID change that position of bike taxis going forward if at all it has uh, so so any 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 insight on that you know i mean if, if the position has changed amongst all the other mobility options out there 
I think a lot of mobility perception has changed. Uh, like people would think twice before taking a bus. Yeah. Right. Uh, they would at least the there will be some segment uh, which would think twice before taking a cab. Uh, I'm sure the same thing happens with bike as well, right? So that safety perception is something that uh, has changed ac- across the board. Uh, having said that, I think India is a country which needs so much mobility just from a supply point of view uh, that I think once we come back uh, out of this safe and sound, uh, we will embrace anything that comes at us, right? Mm-hmm. Cycle, not cycle, motorcycle, yeah. you know, uh, cabs, whatever it is, we will embrace, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the reason is because of the like desire to move and the way cities have evolved and the way planning happens and so on and so forth. Whether it is efficiency or inefficiency, yeah. Uh, for both reasons, you will you will definitely see all modes of transport being uh, embraced again once we are uh, back to normal. I think yeah. what we forget is that uh, this is not the first time humankind is going through like a pandemic, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. We've had this many times, and the fear and the uh, shall we say. Uh, uh, the behavior will remain, it will follow probably a Pareto's law or whatever, uh, where in the near future, there will be some fear and, and, and I think over time it will go away. Uh, uh, but it is definitely going to influence uh, perception of what happens to uh, different mobility options. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think our hope is post a better testing, like test at home or cheaper, you know, five bucks test or whatever. Uh, our hope is uh, this becomes much more safer and people will start coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, both get back to work, uh, so so that way economy improves as well as spending on mobility uh, changes mm-hmm. uh, and so on. Right. Uh, so I think that is definitely uh, going to be, going to be the case. Uh, let's say six or seven months from now. Yeah. The bigger threat perhaps is uh, the perception instead of mobility, the perception of work changing which is uh, there will be some section of people who will say, look, I just want to stay home and work. Uh, And companies will sort of start embracing some of those options. Uh, But the reality is that not everyone will be able to. Right. So that like you can't make biscuits at home. Yeah. Right. So if if you're, let's say, partly you have to go go to work. Right. So I think there will be some sectors where you will see this perception lingering around longer. Mm -hmm. Right, and there'll be some sectors where this will just drop because of the need. Yeah, of course. Right, so mm-hmm. uh, I would—it's a long-winded answer to a very simple question, but no, no, yeah, makes sense. I would say uh, at least that's what we are thinking, and that's what we are looking forward to. Mm-hmm. No, that completely makes sense. I mean, of course, you know, <clears throat> I'm sure there's a lot of things that you guys are seeing, and you know how it's impacting. But the aim is to know, you know. Of course, none of us can predict any of this, you know. But but the aim is to make as uh, uh, you know correct of a guess as possible with all the data available that we have. You know, um, so just as a last question, I'd like to ask. You know, you've spent ten months in the mobility industry. You know, I think it's been ten months if I'm not wrong. I've been stalking on LinkedIn. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> uh, it's been ten months. What's been what's been the learning? What what's been the you know one one big learning if you had to sort of you know what's been the one big takeaway of Mobility as an industry and, you know, as a, as a sector. 
so I think I would relate this to your first question and then sort of full circle let's tie this up maybe yeah. uh, so I think your uh, question of how did you get into mobility I think there was a, a hidden intrinsic thing about you know we should solve the traffic problem right and uh, here was an opportunity where we potentially could solve the traffic problem given you know you, you reduce the number of cars uh, yeah. on the road etc so, so that was like the one of the motivations of why uh, it also helped. Uh, yeah. So why I came in. Now the biggest learning has been that uh, it works. I, to be honest, I was extremely skeptical. Right? Why would I want to go sit behind? I mean, being very honest, I had that conversation with Arvind, mm-hmm. where look, you probably have to think about. Uh, diversifying your offerings, etc., mm-hmm. and and I think that cultural shift and uh, I think mm-hmm. I went through that journey, mm-hmm. especially having looked at the data. It feels like it works for India, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And if more and more people use it, there is a lot more that can be done. Uh, which I think we are just scratching the surface of what is possible with bike taxi right now, right? I agree. Uh, and I think in general, the way I would look at it is, while we understand how India moves. Bike taxi is probably the beginning of a bigger and a better thing that is possible, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we might we might be able to turn around how cities move uh, in the future if we yeah. if we know how people move and uh, what happens, etc. So I think at least the biggest learning for me is uh, it actually works. It might be a boring answer, but yeah, it does work. Uh, <laughs> Makes sense. That that that's wonderful, you know. Of course, it works definitely, and I think I think that comes down to frugal innovation that's something i've been hearing you know which is you know very just like jo kaam karta hai, bas karta hai, you know it's in india like you know that's just how it is so that kind of innovation is something super exciting to see in india and when someone gets as big as you guys do you know with that simple concept bike taxi you know and of course there's a lot of bunch of things that need to come into place but if you think about it bike taxi you know i mean it's not like uh, it was a moment of epiphany of like, oh, but it was always in front of us you know and you guys made it happen and it really works so that that that's a great learning in itself uh, i'm going to leave the last one or two minutes you know just for you to voice out a message that you might have for either as you sort of you know job aspirants for people you know just you know coming out of college for for just about anyone you know that you have a message either from us, the side of rapido or personally or from the mobility industry that you would like to give out last two minutes all fair ooh See, I think the for aspirants who want to do something with data, I think the only message that I would have is uh, be comfortable with looking at numbers. Uh, while you know, there's these there's this machine learning and distributed like uh, deep learning, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like there's a lot of buzz going on uh, in the space. Uh, but if you're not curious, if you can't ask questions uh, from the data and answer. Uh, looking at the data, uh, some of those uh, you know tools and methodologies, etc., is not going to uh, probably help you uh, get better or get value, etc. So I think the, the biggest advice that I would have is be curious, ask questions uh, from the data, and get answers from the data. I think that's your starting point, uh, rather than worrying about which machine learning algorithm should I use, mm-hmm. uh, right? So I think if you if you know that path, uh, you will be able to get into any. Uh, problem, situation, etc. And then uh, look at that with a data lens. Uh, I think machine learning and other things just come as a 
uh, end consequence of what you've looked at uh, rather than the starting mm-hmm. starting point right so that would be for uh, aspirants who want to do something uh, in data for mobility like the message that i would have is uh, uh, this this may be a specific message like uh, understanding cust- understanding what you're selling and understanding customer needs is going to be uh, critical to what will happen. I mean, I'm not even talking about bike sharing, bike taxi, taxi or whatever else. Even as a city, as a city planner, uh, as the, uh, you know, uh, BBMP or whoever else, right? If you can't understand your customers, you will end up doing uh, the wrong thing uh, and it will not solve any problem, right? So being able, like, put efforts in being able to understand what the need is in the city, whether it is uh, exposing data or uh, doing surveys or speaking to people or whatever else uh, be the case. And I think uh, if mobility space does not embrace understanding customers and understanding needs, uh, demand, uh, probably like it will be left behind. Right. So I think one of the examples in Bangalore was the uh, MG Road to Indranagar one. Mm-hmm. Where the demand, like the first line that opened, while the survey, etc., was uh, valid back probably uh, 20 years ago, uh, the first line that came out had uh, it was a proof of concept, which is great, uh, but probably had less relevance and yeah. uh, probably solved fewer customer needs because the city had moved on. Of course. Right? So I think uh, that's where if if there are efforts put in to sort of understand customer needs constantly, uh, mobility can go places like cause no pun intended yeah <laughs> no no that's just that's amazing I, I love that you ended at that point because that's something i genuinely believe to you know that i mean for all this while this whole transportation thing has been just you know the, the focus on the consumer is probably the last you know and now that we're putting the consumer at the center of it and sort of you know developing around it is what makes it so exciting because the needs are so different you know as you said of every city of every sector in a city and I think you summed it up really well. So I won't spoil it. Uh, thank you so much, Pramod. I think this was an amazing, amazing conversation uh, that I had. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it too. And uh, uh, thank you so much for you know taking your time to do this on a Sunday night. <laughs> uh, no problem. I'm glad I did this. Like uh, I hope this was a fruitful conversation. Absolutely. It was absolutely fruitful. Thank you so much for everyone who's watching, to everyone who's listening to the podcast. I hope, you know, this collaboration has brought us something really cool and really insightful. Uh, Yeah, thanks a lot. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Till then, be driven differently. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For your assistance, I've also added show notes you can use to further dig deep into the topics we spoke and the people who I spoke with. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, then you have the power to rate us. So please do rate us. You'll hear from me soon.